Amen. Good morning. Everybody do setting goals, setting challenges for ourselves to see, see growth on our Wednesday morning breakfast as possible, how we're going to sing youth services and on our Sunday morning services in a couple weeks. And so today I want to shift gears just a little bit. And I want to talk about something that really has challenged me over when we a couple of days as I wrestled through this message. One of our hearts as he is uh, working on hopefully the, y'all's heart scripture. And it's been so much fun for me to, to go through this story today that we're going to be talking apart, about. And it's the story of Lazarus. And if you've never heard it, great. If you've read it, great. Today, hopefully you'll learn something new and hopefully this will challenge you and, and strengthen your faith. But it is, it is a bit challenging this morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump straight into Scripture. I want to set the scene for this message, and then we'll, we'll break it down, and of course we're going to have some fun. So jump straight in, open your Bibles up to chapter 11 of John. If you have a Bible with you, that's great. If not, they'll be on the screens. Uh, and we're going to be staying here for pretty much the majority of the message, so you can just keep it open to John chapter 11. So we'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 7. It says this. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, if we continue on in the scriptures, I wish we had time to read the whole chapter, but we don't have time for that today. So that's your homework. Go home, read John chapter 11. Great stuff. But if we continue on, the disciples are really confused about what's going on. They're they're more worried about themselves, right? Go figure, we're in the same boat. Sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves, we miss the point. And that's what's going on. We read on, the disciples are confused. They're worried about going back to Judea because they want to kill Jesus there. And if you're connected to Jesus, they want to kill you too. And so there's this man, Lazarus, who's dying, but the disciples are like, wait, about, what about us? Like, we don't want to go back to Judea because they want to kill us there. So let's just kind of stick around, Jesus, hold up, you know, what's going on? And I love reading the Gospels and seeing these disciples struggle because it makes me feel better. Like as a follower of Christ that I don't always know what's going on. I feel like I'm in the same shoes a lot of times. Like, ah, what's going on? What are we doing? And so this gives me great confidence that the disciples struggle just like I struggle at different times in my life. And so finally they all just agree. They're like, you know what? Let's go with Jesus to die. Like they don't get it. They don't know what's going to happen. So let's just go with Jesus to die in Judea. Pretty, pretty great stuff. So if we drop down a handful of more verses, we see Jesus and his disciples. They show up. They wait two days, just like Jesus said in the scripture. And it approximately took two or so days to travel to this location in Judea. And so now Lazarus has been dead and in his tomb for four days. And so we get this in verse 20 and 21. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, If you'd been here, my brother would have not died. If you would have been here, Jesus, my brother would have not died. Now, I think if we are honest with ourselves, we've all been in a situation like this. Maybe not as extreme, hopefully not as extreme as what uh, Martha's situation is. But we've all been in a frustrating 
position when we put something off, we wait too long to fix the problem, and then it gets worse. Has anybody ever put something off? Anybody ever procrastinated? Any procrastinators in the house? Honesty in the house? Okay. Okay, there's some procrastinators. I'm one of those. I've put things off. I've waited too long to do something. That's kind of a story of my life that I'm trying to learn better and to overcome. But I've been there. Even in the simple things, it gets frustrating. We had a commode at our house that was leaking, and, and it wasn't leaking on the floor, but the seal was, was leaking. And so every 10 or 15 minutes, the, the toilet would run, and it filled the tank up. And I put it off, right? Just, eh, it'll fix it later. I'll fix it later. I'll fix it later. I put it off for quite some time. I'll be honest. I did. I put it off, and thankfully my wife you know, loves me so much and puts up with this, and I, I put it off, and I finally got the water bill, and I realized I could have fixed it six times over if I would have just fixed it when it first started happening because my water bill was so expensive, and I was frustrated, and I was angry, but we go through these things all the time. If you're married, this is probably where a lot of your arguments come from. You know, if you would have just fixed the car when it first started making that noise, we wouldn't be having this huge bill. It would have been a $100 fix, and now it's a $1,000 fix, if you would have. If you'd have just paid the bills on time, we wouldn't have a $30 late charge on top of the bill, right? If you would have just done what I asked you to do, it wouldn't have happened in this way, shape, or form. If you'd just been where you were supposed to be, nothing, none of this would have been an issue. And so it's frustrating when things don't get done the way we think they should. And so you can probably imagine Martha's frustration in this moment, right? Jesus, if you would have just been here, my brother would have not died. If you would have just been here, he would have not died. You can feel the sorrow in her words, the struggle in her words. And when things don't go the way we planned, we like to ask the question, why? Why? Why, why did it go this way? Why, why Jesus, did you wait? Why'd you wait two days to go back to help these people you love? And that's the question that I've been struggling with for the past couple of days. And so hopefully over the next little bit of time, I can give you some answers and clear some of this up. Now in this passage, thankfully, we get two answers that Jesus gives us. And one uh, is very clear, the other may be a, a little bit hidden, but both may be hard to swallow at first. So the first reason that Jesus gives that he waited is this, and, and, and verse 4 is very clear, it's to the point. It says this, it's when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So God wants Jesus Christ to be glorified through this situation. Okay, that's, that's kind of easy to understand. And don't get caught up here in, okay, is, is Lazarus really dead? What's Jesus talking about? Don't be confused when Jesus says this sickness will not end in death. What he means is that Lazarus is dead, but he's not going to stay dead, right? Jesus knows, like, I'm going to resurrect this man back to life. He's not going to stay dead. So don't get caught up in that. But Jesus needs to be glorified through this. But it still makes us ask the question, wait, what's, what's Jesus truly saying? Is he saying he's going to wait two days knowing that they're going to go through this hardship so that he gets the glory? Because in our human minds, that may seem a little selfish, right? That may, that may be hard for us to swallow. Like, Jesus, why, why don't you just go right now and, and speak the words and, and bring this man back to life? Like, heal Lazarus right now so that these people you love won't have to experience any pain. Like, it's simple. You're, you're Jesus. You can say, Lazarus, be healed. Like, right where you're at. And he'll be healed. And so why, why, why wait? You have absolute power. You, you can do that, Jesus. Why wait? You can get the glory here if that's what this is about. You can get it here. Your disciples are around. The messengers are there. And they'll be like, oh, man, Jesus, you're so awesome. Like, you'll get the glory here. So why, why wait? 
Well, wait, and I rolled that question around in my head for the past couple days, and I came up with an answer that I think you need to, to hear this whole message to truly understand. But it's this, is that when Jesus gets the glory in his way and in his timing, lives change around him. When Jesus gets the glory in his way and in his timing, lives change around him. And it's not about the temporary. It's about the eternal. And Jesus needs these people he loved to understand, understand something so important and that if done any other way, they may have missed it. So what does he need them to understand? Why does Jesus need the glory in this situation and in this way? What's the answer? I think it's something so beautiful, it's so amazing, and it's so easy to miss. In verses 5 through 7, we get this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jesus loved, so he stayed. Jesus loved, so he stayed, and he stayed, and then Lazarus died. How's that love? How is that love? That, that may not make a lot of sense in our mind. How is that the love that God's wanting to show? But I think that's because we may have a misunderstanding of love at times. Our idea of love is so rooted in the, the temporary and the now. God, if you truly love me, you'll never allow anything bad to ever happen to me. I'll never go through any hardships. I'll never go through any struggles. I'll never go through any pain in my life. If you truly love me, it'll never happen I'll just be peaceful. Everything will be perfect. And that goes against what love is truly about. This is essentially impossible because of one thing that God's already set into motion. He's chosen to give us free choice, free will. And that means that we get to make our own choices and that there's consequences and that the world is the way it is because of a lot of the choices we make. We see this from the beginning, right, with Adam and Eve. In the very beginning, they're in the garden. Everything is perfect. Everything is great. They're in unity with God. Creation is perfect, and they have one rule, right? And the one rule is to not eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One rule. They have a choice. They decide to disobey God. And from that time point, everything started to unravel. Sin was released into the world, and from that point forward, this world as we know it is broken because sin exists. And we see the impact that it has on our lives in the world and the people around us. And Jesus says in this passage that it's because I love you, I'm waiting two days. You see, sometimes Jesus wants to show us something new for us to wait on him. And sometimes the only way for us to truly see him and to truly trust him and to build endurance and perseverance for the future is for, for him to allow us to go through these hard circumstances. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love them. There's going to be trials. There's going to be hardships, and they come from different places. They come from our choices. They come from sin in our lives. They come from Satan himself. But in all of this, and listen loud and clear, in all of these struggles, in all of our trials, in all of our hardship, Jesus Christ never leaves our side. He can use all the struggles for his good and for our good. Because sometimes it's in the valley that we see God the most, that we learn to trust God more, that we get to see the true glory of God. Sometimes it's in the valley. In my early college years, 
I had this passion for college-age students, and I wanted to start a college ministry. And it's one of the handful of times in my life that I knew without a shadow of a doubt this is what God wanted me to do. There's only been a handful of times like that in my life. To marry my wife, this college program, to, to, to go into the ministry, to start our REACH program. These are, these are things that were so clear in my heart and my mind. And so I set out to do it. And I, I got this. I went out and started, you know, casting vision and getting people on board and getting excited about it and building this, this program of what was going to happen. And the more I worked and the more I tried and the more I pushed, the less things started to fall into place. And the more frustrated I got because just like Martha, when things don't go our way, we get frustrated. And so I was. I was getting frustrated and getting angry, even getting angry with God. God. Why are you not letting this happen? What is going on? I know this is something you want me to do. It was so clear. Why aren't things falling into place? What's going on? And the more I pushed, the more things just didn't fall into place. And so one night at the end of my rope for this ministry, like I was, I was done with it. I'm, I'm, I'm done, God. This is not going to work. This is not going to happen. And I got on my knees and I prayed. He led me to Scripture and he showed me something so beautiful. He opened my heart. He said, Matt, all this time you've been trying to do things on your own. You've been trying to push this forward. You've been trying to do it all by yourself. And not once have you stopped to ask for help. Not once have you leaned on me. And it was in this moment that I got something so important that I've hung on to the rest of my life until this day. It's pushed me forward. And if I would have never had to go through that struggle, if I would have never had to go through those circumstances, I would have never gotten the point. I would have never gotten that beautiful picture of what Jesus wanted for my life. It was because of those choices I made. It was all my fault. It was. I was doing things on my own, but God used that and allowed me and, and waited until I was ready to reveal something beautiful. And I kid you not, the next day I went to church and everything fell into place. People came up. I had more financial support than I knew what to do with. Everything fell into place. See, for a while there, my faith was rooted in everything going well. Everything just going the way I wanted it to. And if our faith is rooted in that, if our faith is rooted in never experiencing pain, never going through hardships, then our faith will unravel every single day. Because it's the world we live in. Your faith, your trust... Your belief has to be rooted in your understanding of who God is, to trust Him, to trust in His ways, to trust in His wills. That where, that's where our faith has to be rooted. God wants us to truly believe, to truly trust in Him. He tells His disciples this in verses 14 and 15. And so He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to Him. He wants them to believe. Hang on to that. God wants us to believe. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust in his ways. And it's through these trials and it's through these hardships that sometimes our trust is strengthened the most. It's where we find the truth. It's where we see God's glory shine through the darkness. And sometimes it's in the darkest places that we finally believe. This isn't a foreign concept if you're a parent. You know that as a parent, sometimes you just have to let your kids go, right? Like, I, I'm not there yet. I, I'm soon to be there. I'm super excited about that. But, but as a parent, you have to sometimes let your kids go and experience life, even if that means making a mistake, right? 
It's in these mistakes, it's in these hardships, it's in these decisions that they make that, that hopefully you pray they'll come running home, they'll come running back. You don't want them to, to go through hardships, you don't want them to experience pain, but you know you can't force them to make the right decisions. You can't force them to love you, you can't force them to go where you know they probably should go because that's not true love, right? Love has to have a choice. If I force you to love me, that's not love, that's evil, and so God gives us a choice, and as parents, you give your children a choice. And so they make their own choices. And yeah, they'll probably screw up here and there. But all the while, you're encouraging them. You're picking them up when they miss it. Because they've got to come to the understanding themselves that you truly love them, even if that means they experience pain along the way. It's not that you're causing your children to go through these hardships, right? You're not moving the puzzle pieces and forcing them down these hard paths. You're not. You, that breaks your heart to see that happen. You're just letting them live their life. You're letting them make their own choices. And I believe this is similar to what God is doing with us. I don't believe that God's forcing, forcing us into these hardships, causing us to go through pain, but allowing us to make our own choices. He loves us. He's given us the ability to make a choice. I have to believe this is the picture of God. It's heartbreaking every single time we have to go through pain. Because our world's broken because sin exists. But he uses each and every opportunity to draw us closer to himself. To show us more of his glory. To be honest, this is the thing I think I'm, I'm most afraid of in becoming a parent. I'm not afraid of you know, raising a child and loving a child and, and bringing a child up, I'm afraid of the day that I have to let go. Because every time I talk to a parent, they tell me one thing. They say, you'll blink, and it'll be gone. They'll be grown up. And so I know there'll be a day that I just have to let go to trust. And maybe, just maybe, this is a little picture of what God feels with us. Knowing he's given us the free will. He tells us as children, he wants us to have faith like children because you know as a little child, they just believe. They just believe in the people around them. They believe in, in their parents and the love they have. But once we grow up, man, we get this thing called free choice and free will. And he knows this free choice is going to bring a lot of pain and a lot of suffering into our lives. And we get to choose either to follow him or to not. And Jesus wants us to believe. You see, it's through this death in this story that Jesus wants Martha and Mary and the disciples to truly believe. Verse 20 says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that now, but even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says this. This is the most important thing, I think, in this whole passage. Listen to this. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And, the one who, and, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I love it. I am the resurrection and the life. 
You see, the resurrection isn't just something that, that we get to look forward to in the coming days, but the resurrection is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is true life. He gave it to you when he died on the cross, if you truly believe. And that's what he's asking Martha in this situation. Do you believe this? This is the thing that Jesus wanted everyone to understand. Do you believe who I am? She would have never had this conversation with Jesus if if he did not choose to wait. And Jesus is asking Martha in this time, do you understand, do you believe? And in verse 27, we get her answer. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Yes, I believe. Life changed through a devastating event. God can turn any devastating, any hardship in your life into something that changes you forever. She needed this conversation with Jesus that came through this remarkably hard event in her life. Mary run, Martha runs back home. She tells Mary that Jesus is here. And we get this. Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, and she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would have not died. Same response, heartbreaking, frustrated with Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible that Jesus wept. See, Jesus wanted to change Mary's life as well. Jesus wanted the opportunity to weep with Mary. And he knew that's what she needed. Martha needed this theology. Martha needed to hear that he was the resurrection. And all Mary needed was just someone to weep with. Maybe we can take a little example from Jesus. If we're always shoving theology down people's throats and they don't even know we love them and care for them, then how are they even going to listen? All Mary needed was for Jesus to come along and weep with her. Maybe we can take a note of that. Maybe there's people in your lives that you just need to weep with to show them that you truly love them. Jesus has true sorrow for these people he loves so much and it breaks his heart that they're going through any of this pain. But it's in this valley, it's in this hardship that they come closer to Jesus. So yeah, we're going to go through pain and we're going to go through hardship. But Jesus is never going to leave our sides. And if we keep our eyes open, if we keep our eyes on him, then maybe just maybe we'll truly experience just a bit more how beautiful and amazing Jesus truly is. And Jesus raises Lazarus back to life. And in the process, countless people's lives were changed on that day. Verse 44 says, The dead man came out, his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This man was freed from death. But I think the true freedom came from the people around Jesus who truly believed. And they went from true death to true life. I love that Jesus teaches who he truly is, that he is the resurrection and the life through a resurrection. What What a cool way to teach who he truly is. People saw a man resurrected, Lazarus, come back to life. But they knew it pointed to Jesus being the true life, the true resurrection, the one who brought eternal life. Yeah, it was a painful situation, but it changed their 
life. See, we don't always get the full picture. We don't always see the ways that Jesus works in our lives. I'm not standing up here this morning and claiming that I understand everything that goes on in our world and that Jesus does, but I do know this, and listen loud and clear, that he loves us so much. He loves us so much. He gives us free will to choose him. And honestly, our our choices and the decisions we make really cause a lot of our struggles. Through these struggles, we can be drawn closer to him. So this morning, if you're going through a hardship, if you're going through a trial, my prayer for you is that you trust in God. Don't get discouraged. Keep your eyes open to see God, to see him move, to know that he is there with you, that he'll never leave your side. And maybe through it, through it all, your eyes will be open just a little more to the beauty of Christ. Do you understand what Jesus has done? Do you understand what he's given you? I want to end this morning by by painting a picture of what Jesus has done. He wants to bring us from death to life. Let's take a look at Romans 8, 15 through 17, and we'll close out on this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive has brought you, has brought about your adoption to sonship. I'm going to stop here for a second because I'm afraid if we don't, we'll miss something very important. I want you to understand this morning what Jesus has done for us. He's brought us from adoption. He's brought us into his adoption to sonship. What does that mean? To understand this, we have to go back to the Roman culture of the day, right? We have to go back to to this time period and to understand what God is truly showing us. And in the Roman culture, as any culture Having a child's very expensive, right? I'm getting ready to figure this out. Having a, having a kid is an expensive process. But in this time period, in this day and age, it was especially expensive. Because you had to provide for things called dowries. And if you had male children, you had to provide for their schooling, which was outrageously expensive. And so it was normal for you to only have two or three kids. The problem with this was is that if you had two or three girls, you couldn't pass on everything you had. Because it was the male child, it's the boy in this culture that would take on the family name. That would take on the inheritance to come of the family. That would pass on the lineage of the family. So if you didn't have a son, what were you to do? And so the process of this adoption became very, very popular. And as a royal family, you would normally choose someone of the servant class to adopt into your family. And so as a wealthy family, you would go and you'd sign some paperwork. You would go before the Roman court and and you would sign some paperwork and you would give this little child, this little boy, your last name. Now here's the beautiful part. As soon as that paperwork was signed, as soon as this little boy got your last name, everything that was yours was given to the child, the lineage the societal status, the inheritance to come became this voice. He was in poverty. He was nothing. He was outcast. And in an instant, his life would be changed. Everything would become his. And that's what Jesus has done for you and I. 
when we invite him into our heart. We may be broken, we may be in poverty, we may be just spiritually in turmoil, but as soon as you invite Jesus into your heart, everything changes. We cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Jesus wants us to share in his glory. Jesus wants us to be co-heirs with Christ. So yeah, in our lives we're going to go through struggles and we're going to go through hardships just as Jesus did. My hope is that through it all we'll understand who he truly is. And how he wants to give us everything. He wants an eternity with you. He wants to make you co-heirs with Christ. The most beautiful thing is is that he couldn't imagine an eternity without you. Fill in your blank. I couldn't imagine an eternity without you. And so he gave it all. He gave it all on the cross through Jesus Christ. It's not about the temporary. It's about the eternal. It's a love that overcomes a broken world. It's a love that overcomes our sin. It's a love that overcomes and defeats death once and for all. From death to life. And that's what he wants for each and every one of us. For us to share the inheritance of Christ. But he gives you a choice this morning. This choice is what causes most of our pains and our problems. But it's also a choice that can bring you into the family of God to choose, to have the ability to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so my question for you today is, do you believe? It's the same question that he asked Martha. And maybe it's the same question that he's asking some of you this morning. Do you Jesus gave it all on the cross so that we could have a way to have a relationship with him for an eternity so that we could be co-heirs with Christ. The only thing he wants from us is for us to believe how beautiful a picture of God that truly is. Do you That's all he wants. My prayer is that you do. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you truly are. And Father, we live in a world sometimes that feels broken and it feels hard and we go through, go through pain and, and a lot of times we don't even understand it all. Lord, I hope today that we truly trust you We trust in who you are. We truly believe. My prayer is that if someone walked in here this morning with with pain and with brokenness and with hardship, they just feel like they don't belong, they don't have anything, Lord. But today, for the first time, they'll understand how much you truly love them, that you came, that you gave your life for them. You sent your son, Jesus, on the cross die for our sins because you truly wanted us to have a relationship with you. You truly wanted us to believe. 
So you gave everything you possibly could. You gave it all for us. Father, it's a love that's so hard to comprehend. But I'm so thankful for it. And Lord, I, I just ask this morning, if there's someone here, if there's someone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, that today will be the day where they say, I believe Jesus. Just like Martha said, I believe Jesus. I believe you're the resurrection. I believe you're life. I need you in my heart. We know that if that's their prayer, that their lives are changed in an instant, that they're brought into this adoption into your royal family, that you give them an inheritance that will last forever. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what we're doing. We thank you for life change. We thank you for bringing us from life to death. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.